future seeing, it challenges us. It challenges us. And we are now talking today about mentality. We can't talk about mentality at an inner wealth level of being or in a future se uh, seeing level of being without talking about the universe. The universe, this huge, 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 massive thought, distills itself through process of reduction into planets and suns and moons and satellites and God knows what. And so you can see that one huge all fragments down into smaller compartments and then those smaller compartments fragment down into grass and dirt and water. And as soon as we start to talk about the me and the my, we separate ourselves from the all. In the all, we speak so often about the him and the her, the gender, the God. We often give the context of being the masculine and nature, the universal laws of nature, we give to the feminine. We say she, nature. We often say he, God. And there is some implication in all this that the mentality of the universe, this huge mind, this huge thought, and nature are two different things. But really, they're two different aspects of the same thing. In the process of understanding thought, we can understand that a planet is the mental image of a universe. A family or a business or a car is the mental image of you, your mind. So we are co-creators or creators and in us there is the process of a god, masculine, and the process of a feminine. When we say me, we mean nature. When we say I, we mean God. We confuse ourselves by splitting ourselves into these. But the force of the masculine sits behind the feminine in causing and supporting the feminine in manifestation. So all manifestation, all the coming to form, all the creation is done from the feminine aspect of nature. The God is, if we want to call it the masculine force, is infinite. And therefore it has no entry into the manifestation. We return to the infinite. And it's really important here to, to recall that the all the all the energy, the vitality of the entire universe is the same vitality which is in the thought of a human being. Our ability to manifest into form is no different than the feminine ability to manifest into form of a universe. We are a thought. This concept is really important 
Because in future seeing, we are projecting thoughts and remembering. We can't take anything from the universe. That's impossible. And we can't add anything to the universe. That's impossible. We can only change its shape, change its form. The concept of death and life is really just uh, being born into another life from nothing to birth is being born into a form and death is just being born into another form. The compartmentalizing of time into smaller and smaller fragments so that we have some sense of identification is the myth that we all live out in the course of our lives. Time is important. And I think this is where it's really important to understand what you're doing in a bigger context. I think it's really easy to fall prey to worrying about what people think, worrying about what we think, worrying about success and failure, when really, as we've talked about before, a pendulum of a clock, an old clock swinging in the, in the hallway of your house, click, clock, click, clock, to reduce the swing of the pendulum to one side, let's call it the positive success side, one must also reduce the swing of the pendulum to the negative side, the failure and poverty side. So as we aspire to balance or to neutral, sometimes as a spiritual being, as a, as a person looking for stillness, we also negate the upside success, the upside positive, the upside winning in order to counteract the downside. But a person who wants upside, success, victory, happiness, fulfillment, all these words that climb up with the pendulum to the positive side, their counterbalance must exist because we are identifying the positive. Their counterbalance must exist to the negative. And what we've talked about earlier in this series of future seeing is the ability to let the pendulum go into its negative and not hold on to it. Because as it swings into, for example, sadness, or it swings into disappointment, or it swings into failure, or it swings into incompetence, if we react, we hold the pendulum. We stop the swing of the pendulum. And by trying to fix things that don't need to be fixed, or by giving them energy, or by focusing on the things that go wrong, we don't allow the pendulum to swing back through its center line across to the other side. The pendulum swings from a pivot point high up into the clock, somewhere behind the clock face. And that point is the point of unconditional love, where there is no swing to the left and swing to the right. And the ability to operate from the top of the pendulum rather than the bottom is an emotional choice. Do we want emotional highs and lows? Well, if we want the highs, we have to absorb the lows as well. And so the ability to rise up this pendulum toward this focal point behind the clock face in a sense is not the ability to control the downside but the ability to sacrifice the upside of emotion. Success or let's say making money or winning a race or 
achieving a sale do not have to be associated with emotional uppers and celebratory champagne cork popping. We can still achieve events. We can still make money. We can still provide wealth. We can still deliver information. And that, at an unconditional love level, will be remunerated. But the minute we celebrate it with a champagne or a party or some form of victorious acknowledgement, we flick ourselves across also into the downside of that pendulum. In the downside of the pendulum, maybe we don't like the feeling of being down or sad or off or offbeat for the day. And so we grab onto that and try and fix it. And in grabbing onto it and trying to fix it and giving it energy and and worrying about it or being ashamed of it or guilty about it or upset about it, we don't allow the pendulum to swing back through the centre point, which is presence, and then back to the positive. We also can't hold on to the positive side when the pendulum swings across there. The one thing that will determine the, the shift and the sway of our pendulum And whether we are at the bottom of it, sitting on that big circular weight that causes the pendulum to go to and fro, or whether we're at the top of it, tick-tocking, 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 positive-negative, positive-negative, the position we hold sliding up the metronome, as it were, is determined by a valuation of time. Nothing more, nothing less. Our valuation of time is really um, built on what we want. If I say, for example, I want pleasure, I want happiness, I slide down the pendulum to the big, big ball that's on the bottom of it and I swing with huge swings out to the right and I will therefore, without choice, have huge swings out to the left And in swinging out to the left, I may seek medication, I may seek therapy, I may seek a doctor, I may seek something um, in order to avoid the discomfort. Most often, what we try to uh, use in order to avoid discomfort is to change people. I know many, many, many spouses whose Partner goes to work and comes back with their highs and lows, but the spouse is so bored and so disappointed and so disillusioned with their life that they want to try to control the pendulum of their partner. They want to control the swing of their partner to keep it either in the middle where there is no disturbance back to themselves or certainly away from upper where they can't have that experience for themselves. So they become controlling. They become psychologically disrupted. They are trying to hold a high. They are holding the pendulum over to one side, trying with all their might to avoid it swinging down into the dark. And then they start to want to change people, change themselves, change others, change their partners, change their children, change everybody to cause them not to disrupt or bring into their presence the counteractive swing of the pendulum. They want a permanent righteousness or they want a permanent upperness or they want to be permanently approved of, of which we all know 
that's impossible. There are some people who try to deliver that to their partner and say, here's your permanent happiness. But that just is like kicking a can down the road. It'll eventually stop. The value of time depends on what we want. If we say, I want happiness for my children, which is a goal, then we also must suffer the unhappiness of them. And we will be down the, the uh, pendulum and we will value time in very short increments. If we say we want to build an empire state building or a new uh, pyramid in Egypt or we want to build something uh, socially transformative, then we will automatically rise up the pyramid because we will not be aspiring to emotional gratification. We'll be aspiring to something of great value to which our time can be contributed. And we will give that time today to cause something in the future. When the future becomes big enough, what we do in the moment becomes important. When the future becomes big enough and we really commit to doing something greater than ourselves, then the value of time becomes more important. And so if you go into an area of the world where there is poverty and where there is rampant uh, violence and uh, uh, excess of uh, sex and, and therefore children and, and it goes hand in hand, and it's usually quite a dirty place, these places are not kept clean, then we know the value of time has shrunk. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.